Welcome to the Boost Podcast with Kelly Leonard. The podcast providing you with immediate access to tools, tips, and tactics to boost your business and career success. Build your brand, optimize relationships, obtain more leads, secure thought leadership space, and tap into new markets. It's the Boost Podcast. And now, here's Kelly Leonard. Welcome back to the Boost Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Leonard. Today's episode features Michael Godley. Michael is the founder of Momentum Law Group, where he specializes in representing entrepreneurs. Michael uses a psychology, business, and then law approach to create uniquely positive client relationships. The part of Boost he addresses during our conversation is optimize relationships. Grab a pen and let's listen in. Hey, Michael, welcome to the Boost podcast. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I am so excited because, you know, it's funny. You are one of those people that I have known since eons, it it feels like for a long, long time. And of course, here in Montgomery County, Maryland, the professional networks are long and strong. And it's like, I guess our groups are, are so small and closely knit, but oftentimes we don't even know a ton about people. And so, and I know a lot of the folks that will be listening into this podcast don't know of all the amazingness that you possess. So for those who might be listening in for the first time, tell us a little bit about you and sort of your firm, the work that you do. Thank you. So I am so grateful to get to do what I do. Uh, I think I have the coolest job in the whole world. Uh, I have a law firm called Momentum Law Group. And we do one thing. We represent entrepreneurs. We serve as their outside counsel. And what that means to me is that every day I get to play with these amazing people. Even if they're doing something that might seem mundane to somebody else, it's super fun because they're doing something they're really excited about. Awesome. And you know, the thing that I admire about you, Michael, is that you always seem like so cool, calm, and collected. I've always admired that about you. And a part of me wonders, is it because he's got like this cool guy thing going in the background? Like, I know you're a car enthusiast and I admire people. (laughs) I secretly admire like race car driving and just cars in general. But like, I would love to just know more about like what makes you tick because you are always so just rooted and grounded and cool, calm and collected. So how do you, how do you maintain just, just your way of being? I think it comes from a place of psychology, really, right? I believe psychology drives everything that we do. In fact, we have an 85 inch sign in our office that says the momentum law approach, psychology, business, and then law, because I believe that everything that we're doing comes from how we feel about what we're doing. So when I come from a place of positivity or come from a place where I feel excited about what I get to do, and that's part of what makes what I get to do for a living so much fun is that we're, it might sound not very kind, but we're really picky about who we work with because we want to have great relationships with our clients. And so because every day I get to play with people who are super cool and super fun to be with, it just kind of makes everything else in life even better. Wow. Okay. So now you said something that I have to ask you a question. So how do you identify or how do you determine whether or not you believe that a client's going to be a good match or fit to work with? I appreciate that question. So we've done a lot of work uh, to try to figure out who our ideal client is. And I would encourage all of our listeners to do the same thing. Who is a good fit? What makes 
the best clients that we work with today, what makes them the best client? And so for us, one of the things that we found is that we've actually named them. We have a whole persona of what they're like, and we can generally tell pretty quickly in the first phone call whether or not they're going to fit within that ideal client persona. So one of the things that we're looking for is, are they looking for somebody to do a thing? Mm -hmm. Are they looking for a scribe? So is it transactional? Mm. If it's no, that might not be a good fit for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are they looking for something, somebody to merely memorialize what they tell tell us they want us to do. That may not be a good fit. What we want is to be a part of their team. Mm. So when we get to be a part of their team and they think about us as being part of their team, then we know that that's, that's when we'll have the best relationships because then we can be collaborative. In fact, one of the best compliments I ever got from a client, I remember, uh, I remember the day really well. It was a beautiful spring day. We were walking around downtown Silver Spring and we were always joking with each other. And he said, you know what I love about working with you? And I was really expecting something just off the wall, uh, mm-hmm. but he was being really serious at the time. And it's like, what's that? And he said, you take things so, so personally within our organization. It's like you're part of the team. In fact, you feel more part of the team than some of my senior executive team wow. uh, that's actually part of the company. And I was like, that means the world to me. That means that I've done what I was trying to do. Wow. So has it always been that way that like, because what you're sharing, I'm sure for some small businesses, when you think of some organizations are in feast or famine mode. And so it makes it really challenging to get to that place where you're selective and who you choose to do business. Was it always that way for you? Or did you, did you have some sort of epiphany where you know, you decided, you know what, I'm drawing the line in the sand and these are the types of clients that we need to work with moving forward. So I think we definitely learn from the mistakes that we make and I've definitely taken on clients that maybe I shouldn't have. Uh, I own that and we've definitely gotten to a place where we don't have to do that. But really what happened, Kelly, was something really cool. So a long time ago, uh, I was looking around and I was getting ready to start my firm and trying to figure out like, What's going to be our thing that's going to make us different and better? How are we going to be different than every other business law firm in the D.C. metro area? And every law firm that I know of does one of two things. They either follow a path where they represent a particular uh, vertical market, so they become like the restaurant lawyer, the GovCon lawyer, whatever it is, where they pick a series, one or, one or multiple uh, areas of practice. So Uh, family law, criminal law, business law. And on one particular day, the entire world just revealed itself to me. In the morning, I got a call from a client. We'll call him, we'll call him Fred. And Fred owned a home healthcare company. And I could see Fred's name on the caller ID and perfectly happy to talk to Fred. And the call was fine. It wasn't exciting, but it was fine. And I helped Fred. He had an issue with an employee. But later, Ethel calls. And uh, I see Ethel's name on the caller ID and like, I'm already grinning ear to ear before I've even picked up the phone. Cause I knew the call was going to be fun. Cause it was Ethel, right? It was super mm-hmm. fun to talk with her. Mm-hmm. And she also had an employee issue. And so we talked about it and it was great. It was super fun. There was a lot of energy uh, in that call. And I was like, man, that was so much more fun to talk with Ethel than it was with Fred. How could that be when a, they're in the same market, right? The same industry, same vertical market uh, and B, uh, I'm doing basically the same practice area. What's different between Fred and Ethel? And the difference was 
that Fred was merely self-employed, right? He wasn't an entrepreneur. He was just somebody who was self-employed and he was very protective of the thing that he had. Ethel, on the other hand, she was amazing. She was a rock star. She was an entrepreneur and she wanted to take over her corner of the world. And so she wanted to grow and build and scale. And so the call was so much more fun. I thought, well, and it took a while to hit upon this, like what really made them different was that energy. And what, what it said to me was that Ethel was an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Fred was self-employed. I only want to work with entrepreneurs because I want my life to be filled with that kind of fun energy all the time. Wow. There's a book uh, called The Big Leap. Dear friend of mine, Larry, sent me that book, told me it changed his life. And I would be willing to bet that it'll change the lives of many of your, uh, of your listeners as well. And in The Big Leap, he talks about uh, these limiting beliefs that we have and all these kinds of things in the first half of the book, but the second half of the book was really fascinating. He talks about operating within your zone of genius. Mm. Uh, and I'd love to go a little bit deeper when I talk about this book, but in the sake of time, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it to that. But when he talks about the zone of genius, he's talking about, like as I describe it, when you get to break the time-space continuum, when you're doing something and you're having so much fun doing it, and you're so good at it that like all of a sudden an hour's passed and you're like, holy smokes, how did that happen? Right? Like I needed to leave. Oh shoot. I got to go. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah. Because you were having, you were so in it, you were in the zone or in flow or whatever uh, term of art we want to use. And that was the experience that I had with Ethel. And I'm like, I want that experience as many times. It's like uh, my little endorphin hit, right? I want that experience as many times as possible. Every time I get to have it, I'm like, I freaking love this. I can't believe people pay me to do this thing. That's awesome. Like that's truly living. Like, you know, that old saying, when, when you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And so that's where you're at. And so I'm guessing in your next example, since you used Fred and Ethel, you're going to talk about Ricky and Lucy next. (laughs) (laughs) And I love Lucy. Like Fred and Apple, where's Ricky and Lucy? Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so, and, I, and I, I understand that you're in the process of launching a new business, Momentum Shift. I would love to learn more about that and kind of like why, um, especially with what, you know, the success that you have in the law firm and the work that you're doing and just the tremendous work that you do throughout the business community here in this region. So I'm curious to know what, what was the driving force for starting the new, new organization? So the first part of that was a couple of years ago, I had this idea that it'd be super fun to have a whole bunch of momentum companies, right? The law firm, and then a whole series of other ones. We were working at the time with this wonderful PR person, uh, marketing person, and she refers to them as momentities, uh, which I thought was a great term. And uh, so as I thought about like, what are the problems that we could solve? And ultimately, I think that's a big thing and really a problem that many entrepreneurs have is they believe that that they're going to go, they they decide to start a company and they don't really have a problem that needs to be solved. Mm. So I look at it from the standpoint, is there a problem that we can solve, right? That's a legitimate, real problem that other people have. And what we saw was that a lot of times there's information that if we had it, it would be helpful. Mm -hmm. And by not having it, it makes it harder. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about as it relates to our families or our friends, do we know the information that we need to know 
in case they weren't here anymore. So for mm. example, would we know where mom and dad banked? So if they weren't here, that we would know how to deal with their stuff when they're not here anymore. And so most people have a will, so that's good. But the will yep. just says that Kelly's going to get this and Michael's going to get that, right? It, but it doesn't say where mom and dad banked or who their accountant is or financial advisor or how to deal with their puppy that they just got and what they ate, the puppy ate, or what bills need to be paid or who should be called uh, and notified that mom's not here anymore or any of those things. I know from personal experience, when my mom died, I spent so much time trying to figure out such basic stuff and was like, man, this is hard. Mm. And I've heard that from so many friends that like they had to recreate mom and dad's life because Mm -hmm. they didn't know, like maybe mom passed away and dad was there. And so they didn't really, they weren't really involved in any of that. But then when dad passes away, they're like, holy smokes. I was recently talking with a friend of mine and he said, I have all this cryptocurrency and my wife wouldn't know how to access it if I wasn't here anymore. Mm. Wow. That could be disastrous. I was talking with another friend and he was telling me that he was an investor in a whole bunch of different companies. And I asked him, is there something that memorializes it? Do you have the operating agreement or subscription agreement or something that, that, that would tell us where to find this information or that you are an owner, Mm -hmm. right? Particularly since in, in those cases, the companies were all new and there were, there were no, they weren't cash flowing, so they're not going to be reported on his tax return. Mm-hmm. And his wife said, "Yeah, we have a file cabinet." And he said, "Actually, not for those. All mm. of those, I sign them electronically." And I said, "So, if we didn't record this in this, uh, we call it a legacy roadmap. If we didn't record it in the legacy roadmap, would there be any way for your daughter to find out that you are an owner?" And he he we were doing a zoom call at the time. It was like, I don't think so. Mm. I don't think there's any way that they would have found it. So if this thing happens to turn into a valuable asset, it could disappear. Right. right. I'm like that sucks. That shouldn't be the case. And it's not just about the money thing. It, it could be uh, all the different things about. So for example, uh, what are the things as you walk around your house that you would want your kids to know, Hey, this thing has sentimental value. Mm-hmm. So before you dispose of it, know that it was your grandma's, right? right? Now you can dispose of it knowledgeably if you choose to, or right. you may decide to treasure it as an heirloom. But ultimately, give them the information that will make it easier for them to transition from the loved one being here to not being here. Yeah, and all of that is so important, Michael, especially now when you think about where we are with the pandemic and people passing unexpected unexpectedly or very quickly and so and and the emotions that get tied up in trying to pull all those pieces together I mean it's already emotional for the family to have to deal with loss but then trying to connect the dots on where everything is the the thing that I find in and of course because I think you and I are probably around the same age but you know you've got the older generation, so parents, then you've got your your children. And I know for me, part of the challenge that I have had, and when I talk to some of my peers, they're experiencing a similar challenge. It's, it's even having the conversation with your parents to get them to open up, to say, this is where, you know, this is how all these things, because, you know, there's this, and especially I got to say in the black community, it's like, 
almost this, well, if I talk about death, then tomorrow I'm going to die. No, that's not, <laughs> not going to happen. It doesn't work that way. Right, right. And so it's like this, this fear of, well, I don't even want to engage in that topic because it's going to happen. Well, it's going to happen eventually, yes, but it's not going to, you talking about it isn't going to accelerate the activity either. So one fellow that we did this with, he described it, I, I, this just touched my heart. He described after we had uh, presented his legacy, we had completed the interview for his legacy roadmap, which we can do in one hour, which I'm super wow. proud of. We worked really hard to figure out what is the information we need to, to capture and we can do it really efficiently uh, down to one hour. Uh, and he said that he viewed this as an act of love yeah. for his children, right? To make it easier for them. And ultimately, that's the question I always ask. What information would help Kelly transition from you being here to not being here? Mm. Right. And so one of the things we know is that a lot of people are really private, so they don't want to give out that information now. So we hold it. Right. We'll give it to we'll give it uh, to mom or dad, uh, mm -hmm. but they don't need to give it to anybody. They keep it locked away uh, until the time comes. Right. So whether and sometimes the reason that this will be used is because somebody's sick, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that comes up a lot is what bills need to be paid and who should I call if there's a problem at home? So for example, in one instance, uh, the children lived uh, across the country. And so we were talking about, well, what would happen if there was a problem in the house? You're not here anymore. There's a problem in the house and they need to call a plumber. Wouldn't it be good if they could call the plumber that you've always been using that already knows the house as opposed right. to like, going onto Google and trying to find a plumber like from across the country, mm -hmm. you know, so that kind of thing is super, can be super helpful. But from the standpoint of security, one of the things that we're in the process of is we're going to build an app and we're going to have it such that, that certain sections of the information of the legacy roadmap will be accessible by Kelly, certain by Michael, certain by, or the whole thing by drum, whatever we're going to do. So we can parse it out. And what we always tell people is when you next redo your will, put a line in the will that says, hey, this thing exists and here's how you can access it. Mm. Right. One of the other things that we talk about is we don't want any of your passwords in that legacy mm. roadmap. Mm -hmm. Right. We want it to be a document that if it happened to get stolen, mm -hmm. it's okay because they can't really do anything with the information. Right. right. Whether somebody banks at Chase Bank or Bank of America, it's not going to really do much, right? Right. If you got the account number, now you're potentially at risk. So one of the things that we do is we say in that we want to we want to have a mechanism where they're told how they can get access to the passwords. Mm -hmm. okay? We don't want to have any passwords there, but how are they going to get access to it? Gotcha. Right? Because that becomes such a big deal or cryptocurrency or whatever it may be. Yeah. Wow, that is awesome. Congratulations. That's exciting. Thank you and very much. and much needed. It is much needed. So, Michael, if folks are listening to this podcast and they're interested in either getting in touch with you or grabbing more information about the legacy roadmap, what's the best way for them to connect with you? So if they're interested in the law firm, uh, they can reach me at Michael at momentumlawyers.com. And if they're interested in a legacy roadmap, uh, they can email me at michael at momentum-shift.com. Awesome. Beautiful. And that information will also be in the show notes. And so, Michael, thank you so much for your time. This has been awesome. And congratulations again on this new project. 
Thanks. If you're looking for a cost-effective way to get your products or services in front of your ideal buyers, consider the Boost Podcast. Our listeners consist of an exciting and thriving group of entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders who are growing their businesses and looking for resources to serve their clients. For more information, contact me, Kelly Leonard, at kelly.leonard at taylor-leonard.com. Well, that concludes this episode of the Boost Podcast. Thank you again for listening in. If you don't mind, if you could like, subscribe, or share the podcast with a friend, I would greatly appreciate it. For more information on anything Boost related, you can visit our website at www.kellytleonard.com.